Where is it? I just, I can't seem to find it. Ah, there we go. This is Winston, and I love volumes of fear. Oh, my dear, you have nothing to fear. Whoops. Ah, this is it. Presented by Crimson Knight Productions. This is Volumes of Fear, a scripted horror comedy podcast. And here's your host, Piedmont Montgomery. Loyal lunatics, one and all, welcome back to Volumes of Fear. As always, I am your host, Piedmont Montgomery. I look forward to this story that you are about to hear. It is one that we told some years ago but we have decided to make it a part of our official canon and inject it with more of that horror sauce that we are so famous for. This story is truly frightening and concerns the horrifying combination of zombies and sweets. Listeners, sit back and enjoy Cookies of the Dead. Our story begins at Peaksville University, where a graduate student named Wilbur Duggan was tirelessly working away in the research section of the university's library. He had been tasked with the organizing and cataloging of a shipment of ancient Sumerian artifacts by one of his professors. Wilbur was tired and worn out, as he had been working on the task all day. He was about to wrap things up when his friend and fellow graduate student, John Howard, approached him. John, who was carrying a large box, had been working with Wilbur on the project for the past several weeks. Hey, John. Wilbur, my good friend. I'm about to head home. Are you going to be joining us for dinner tonight? Yes, John. My answer hasn't changed since the first hundred times you've asked. Good, because Barbara and I are really excited for you to meet Paula. I don't know about this, John. It's too late. We already told her you're coming. Yeah, all right. But she better not be another crazy girl. Trust me, you'll like Paula. She's a bodybuilder. Call if you're going to be late. I won't be able to call. My phone battery died. Wilbur, come on. Your cell phone battery died again? It did. Seriously, I need to get a new cell phone. Do I need to wait here and personally drive you? I'll be there. And on time. I promise. Good. Barbara's been on my case about this for a while now. And she's making tuna loaf. What's in that box you have there? Oh, check this out. It was supposedly an old medieval axe from the Dark Ages, but it turned out to be a fake. That's cool. Yeah, one of the guys doing work on the Dark Ages material was getting rid of it. He was just going to throw it out because it's a fake, but I thought, hey, this looks kind of cool. Figure I'll put it up over the mantle at home, see how Barbara likes it. How are things going here? I've been translating some of the old Sumerian scrolls. It's been pretty boring, to be honest. I know, but it's good practice. And remember what Professor Selig said, if we do this right... It could lead to a more serious assignment. That's true. I guess my brain is just fried. These Sumerians were actually kind of boring. Hey, what's this over here? A stack of smaller crates had caught John's eye. He eagerly moved to them, with his curiosity getting the better of him. Those are the latest crates from the archaeological site. I'm not sure what's in them. We should have a look. Come on, John. You know we can't do that. Too late. And before Wilbur could say anything... John used a nearby pry bar to open up the crate. 
despite the fact that they did not have any kind of permission to open the crate, both looked into the box with an eager curiosity. Hey, what are all these? They look like vases. Plain old vases. Not so fast. There's something inside of them. Here, let me see one of these. Is it heavy? No, not really. The lid isn't attached well. In fact, it's falling off. Look at this. What is it? It looks like cookies. Cookies? Yeah, cookies. Huh, let me see. Ugh, they look like Fig Newtons. Gross. With this lid on here, these things have been sealed up for, oh, let's see, a few thousand years. And you just opened it. Relax, Wilbur. There's got to be a dozen vases in this crate. Opening one isn't going to hurt anything. Well, maybe you're right, but we shouldn't do anything foolish. I've got an idea. What if we eat one? Right now? No, even better. What if I take a few home? I'll put a few in a bag and put them in my lunchbox. No one will see a thing. They could be something for you and Paula to talk about. We can't do that. This is property of the university. Property of the university? Come on, Wilbur. You know universities throw money away all the time. Besides, this could be a great way to start a conversation with Paula. Ah, all right. But we're going to regret this. Not a chance. This is going to be great. So I'll see you soon then? Yeah, I'm going to finish up translating the scroll. Then I'll be over. Wilbur then returned to his work while John left with the cookies. When he reached his house, John was filled with excitement. With the boxed-up fake medieval axe under one arm and the cookies in his lunchbox, he quickly entered his house. Hey, Barbara. Hello, honey. What's in the box? In here is a medieval axe from the Dark Ages. Well, at least that's what someone thought. It's actually a fake. But I was thinking of maybe putting it above the mantle? And I was thinking, no. Yeah, I figured. Maybe in the office? That I can live with. Just don't take your eye out. How was the translating? Slow as usual. But Wilbur and I found something interesting. Is he still coming? I think he'll like Paula a lot. Yeah, he'll be here. But look what we found. Cookies? Yeah, but not just any cookies. Ancient Sumerian cookies. What are we supposed to do with them? Uh, eat them? Are you sure these are safe? Of course they are. They're a bit old, but perfectly safe. And they'd be a great thing for Wilbur to talk to Paula about. Okay, then. I'll get that. Can you put these on a plate? Sure. Hey, Paula. Come on in. All right, let's get this over with. Where's the twerp? Paula, come on. He's not that bad. He's a graduate student with me down at the university. We've been working on translating a bunch of ancient Sumerian scrolls. Great. Sounds like another winner. Back at the university, Wilbur was wrapping up his work. Jotting down some final notes, he looked inside the crate where the cookie vases were and found a small scroll. Hmm. The scroll is pretty small. I could spare a few extra minutes to translate this. It shouldn't take long. Okay, let's see here. I just need to slightly adjust the decoder here. There we go. Now, this symbol represents an A. This symbol represents an E. This one's a W. This one is a Z. Now I just jot it down here. Now, this scroll says, Beware these cookies, for whoever eats one is to become a brain-eating zombie. Huh, that's odd. 
They had brain-eating zombies back in ancient Sumer. I figured that was a 20th century invention. Wait a minute, is, is this real? Could eating these cookies actually turn people into zombies? No, that, that can't be. That's, that's impossible. Wilbur sat back and thought to himself for a moment. He was in disbelief. He reached for his jacket and grabbed his cell phone. Oh, that's right. The battery died. Still, though, this can't be real. But if it is, then John and Barbara and Paula, they could all be in trouble. Realizing the possible terror which could befall his friends, Wilbur quickly grabbed his jacket and sprinted out of the building to his car. In a fury, he sped off to John's house. Meanwhile, John, Barbara, and Paula were awaiting Wilbur's arrival. He's just running a little late. Oh, I bet he is. John, why don't you try calling him? I did a few minutes ago. He told me earlier that his cell phone battery had died. Well, what do we do? I'm getting hungry. Is anyone else? I could eat a horse or maybe a large dog. Ew. Why don't we have some of those cookies you brought home, John? I thought we were going to save those, dear, you know, so uh, Wilbur and Paula could talk about them. But he's not here, John. Oh, all right. We'll have some now. I've got the plate right here. These are interesting. Where'd you get the recipe? Actually, John and Wilbur found them in a, oh, what was it? An Egyptian vase? Mm, Sumerian. A what? Uh, Sumerian. We found them in a Sumerian vase that's a few thousand years old. And you've got me eating this thing that could be crawling with bacteria and diseases made from who knows what? Yeah, but the vase was sealed pretty tight. I think we're okay. As Wilbur was traveling to John's home, John, Barbara, and Paula had each eaten a cookie. The three of them were now starting to feel a bit ill. Oh, my stomach is a little off. I feel nauseous, like I ate a golden corral. I gotta hit the head right now. Paula excused herself and headed for the lavatory, while Barbara's complexion began to change. Do you think it was the cookies? It could have been. Maybe eating cookies that are thousands of years old was a bad idea. It feels like a football filled with cement and covered in sharp spikes is moving through my intestinal tract. Mm. Oh, that must be Wilbur. John, feeling rather ill at this point, slowly moved to the door and opened it to find a very concerned Wilbur. Hey, Wilbur. Glad you could make it. You don't look good, John. You look pale. Like, really pale. Pale like you've been living in your parents' basement for years, playing video games, taking pictures of cats in sailor outfits, and taking baths in white paint kind of pale. So I look pale? Did you guys eat those cookies? Yeah, we were gonna wait for you, but we were all so hungry. John, there could be an issue. I found the scroll in the crate where those vases with the cookies were at. I translated it, and it said the cookies turned people into brain-eating zombies. You're telling me these cookies made people into zombies? Well, I mean, if we're to believe an old scroll that's thousands of years old, written in a dead language that was loosely placed in a poorly packaged shipping crate, then yes. Suddenly, a deathly moan was heard from the living room. (coughs) Wilbur quickly dashed to the living room with the sluggish John not far behind. Both men arrived just in time to see Barbara transform into a gray-skinned, mouth-foaming, mindless zombie. Barbara, you're uh, not looking too hot. John, she's turned into a zombie. Not much more could be done for her as a psychosis was taking over Barbara. She stood up from the couch and lunged at John. 
She took a large bite out of his neck, like a monkey enjoying his first banana of the day. Barbara! As blood and guts were gushing from John's neck, Barbara was now thinking of only one thing, tearing apart John's body till she found his brain. Wilbur entered a state of panic. He frantically looked around for anything that might help. Fortunately, he saw the box containing the same axe that John had brought home earlier. It's the fake axe that John brought home. Perfect. Wilbur grabbed the axe. And with all the strength he had, he swung and buried it deep into Barbara's cranium. John, are you okay? Sadly, it was too late for John. In addition to the wounds he received from Barbara's attempts to eat his brain, he had succumbed to the effects of the cookie he had previously eaten. He, too, was now a zombie. Brains. Brains. John! Oh, no! Realizing what must be done, Wilbur pulled the axe from the severed head of Barbara. And with all his might, he swung it at John. The shot was perfect. But alas, it was not enough to get the job done. With the better part of his head gone, the zombified John began to move toward Wilbur with the intention of devouring his brain. Wilbur, completely terrified, retreated down the hallway and locked himself in the bathroom. Outside, John's walking corpse pounded on the door. What do I do? A panicked Wilbur moved away from the door when suddenly... Oh, brains! The shower curtain was pulled back to reveal Paula, who, like John and Barbara, was now a zombie. Oh, hello. You must be Paula. John and Barbara have told me a lot of nice things about you. Maybe we can grab a coffee sometime. Despite Wilbur's gentlemanly manners during a time of great duress, Paula was uninterested. The only interest she had in Wilbur was to eat his brain. Ah! No! No! The next day, two detectives were surveying the horrible mess that was all around John and Barbara's apartment. What do you think? Looks like a dinner party that went bad. The woman in the living room was hacked up with an axe. Then these two seemingly tore each other to shreds after killing the sap in the bathroom. It was all probably a disagreement over politics. Sounds good. Let's get some coffee. Good idea. Oh, wait a minute. I saw a plate of cookies in the kitchen. Really? We might as well help ourselves. And like that, the two detectives who were trying to make sense of the horrible mess in the apartment were now snacking away on the same cookies that had caused the scene of gore. They're interesting. They're like Fig Newtons. Only a little stale. Yeah. Well, better someone eats them. Not like these people are gonna. What a tale of terror indeed. But a tasty one, nonetheless. I can feel my sweet tooth rumbling. Winston, have we any cookies on the premises? Well, um, I, uh, sort of got hungry... During the story, and I sort of ate a lot of the cookies. Oh, fantastic. Now we're out of cookies. Um, well, we're not really out of cookies. Oh, what's the hesitation, then? All that's left is oatmeal raisin. Ew, how revolting. 
There is truly nothing more horrifying than oatmeal raisin cookies. Such a tease they are. Well, anyway, loyal lunatics, I hope you enjoyed this sweet tale. As always, we want to thank our presenter, Crimson Knight Productions. Follow us on the Facebook, the Twit, and the Instagrampa. And don't forget to share the scare and like the lunacy. Until next time, listeners, I'm Piedmont Montgomery, and you've just listened to Cookies of the Dead, a production from Volumes of Fear. This episode of Volumes of Fear featured the acting talents of Christopher Speedus, Shannon Riley, Rachel Collins, Andy Collins, J.C. Rositas, and Derek DeBoer. It was produced by Andy Collins and J.C. Rositas from a script by Andy Collins. Sound mixing and engineering was done by J.C. Rositas. Artwork was provided by Derek DeBoer. Post-production management by Frank Cezanne. Part of this episode's score came from FreePD.com. This episode of Volumes of Fear was presented by Crimson Knight Productions. Visit them online at cnproductions.net. If you haven't already, follow Volumes of Fear on Facebook, or you'll be sorry.